Welcome to the Arts Entrepreneurship Podcast, making art work. We highlight how entrepreneurs align their artistry, passion, and vision to create and pursue opportunities to capture value in the arts. The views expressed by guests on the Arts Entrepreneurship Podcast are solely their own and do not necessarily represent the views of the podcast or its hosts. The appearance of a guest on the podcast, the venture they represent, or reference to any product or service does not imply an endorsement or recommendation by the podcast or its hosts. The content provided is for entertainment and informational purposes only and does not constitute business advice. Here are your hosts, Andy Heiss and Nick Petrella. Welcome podcast listeners. My name is Andy Heiss. And I'm Nick Petrella. With us today are Erica Olinger and Isabel Irvine from the Cole Pratt Gallery, a leading contemporary fine art gallery in New Orleans, which specializes in works of Southern artists. Erica became owner of the gallery after Cole Pratt's passing in 2008, and Isabel is the gallery manager. Andy and I were introduced to Erica and Isabel through our friend Marie Bukowski, an artist represented by the gallery. Thank you both for joining us. Hey, thanks for having us. So it looks as though the gallery has about 10 exhibitions a year. What goes into planning an exhibition? So planning an exhibition, the first thing is the show calendar. So our show calendar is something that is typically planned a year to two years in advance. And Isabel and I create the list based, create the calendar based on um, a number of things. Who's been more productive? Who's been, um, who hasn't had a show in a long time? If there's a new artist that we've introduced, is this the right time to highlight or feature their work? Um, there, the subject matter of the artist often plays into what the calendar looks like. So, you know, I, I don't like to have four shows in a row that are all abstract paintings. I would much rather mix that up with a realist show or a show of sculpture or um, you know, photography, you know, take your pick yeah. of other things, but it's good for the gallery. It's good for the clients not to see the same, even if the work the subject is different an abstract painting is still an abstract painting when it comes down to from a from a client perspective so otherwise planning going into planning the show um there's there's a timeline of uh things that have to get done um you know x number of months in advance we're emailing the artists and letting them know okay i need your postcard image we need whatever digital image you want us to use. We need to know uh, show title. Um, What's coming? Are we going to be able to start thinking about, about hanging and installing the work, you know, depending on how many pieces we, we get and, and writing about it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right. So behind the scenes, Isabel is there with a Gantt chart, wrangling all this information. Yes, yes, exactly. So, you know, I, I start the artists, obviously we, we check with them once we're starting to finalize the show calendar a year or so in advance so that they can start preparing, knowing that their show is coming, you know, a year or so later. And then as we get to six months out, 
kind of another touch base, make sure they are. <laughs> make sure they remember that they're right. having a show in now six months. Um, yes. Um, you know, most, most creative people, and we both, we all, probably everybody here has a lot of creative friends, not very good with tasks. So is it a little bit like herding cats at times? Yes. Yes, it is. Some some artists more than others. Some artists we are we are hurting them like cats until the day we hang the show. And some artists are are so very well put together, very yeah. put together, ready a month or so before I need them to be. And you know, it's it's a it's a give and take. And you get to kind of sit back a little bit more some months and jump forward a little more in others and you know, keeps you on your toes. Yeah. I can imagine, yeah, I, I, I can imagine both scenarios where you're having to call someone 20 times to get an answer and other times they're calling you 20 times to ask questions and, right, yeah. and then some, everything else in between, right? Yeah. Yes. And that, that kind of leads me to, to my next question is about um, what is your relationship with artists in terms of helping them prepare to engage potential clients, potential customers, uh, particularly f- for an event uh, such as an, an opening or, um, or an exhibition um, and also just in general, like how they kind of approach clients and potential customers. It is absolutely crucial to me, especially in a sales perspective, to have a great relationship with our artists. Um, so our artists, a lot of them are very, very dear friends of mine and, you know, have known Erica for over 20 years now. So it's, we have very close relationships with our artists and it helps to really understand their process and where their mind is creating their work to be able to relay that to clients. So they feel that connection with the work the same way we do and the same way the artist does. Um, As far as the artist's personal relationship with clients, um, the great thing about the gallery for a lot of our artists is that they don't have to (laughs) have a relationship directly with clients because we handle that for them and they can focus on their creative process. Um, But we do like to have them be in the gallery for their exhibition and their opening night. Um, So that's a good opportunity for clients to, you know, let them know how they feel about the work and just kind of pick their brains a little bit more. But um, I'm, I'm happy to say that our stable of artists is full of absolutely wonderful people that are really a joy to, to speak with and work with. Yeah. So you've got the history there, but then also for new exhibitions or maybe new artists, you've put so much time into, again, the press releases, the artist statements, the, all that work, like everybody's kind of on the same page in terms of what's the language we use to talk about and describe and um, yeah. promote the work. Yeah. Yes, definitely. We, we absolutely want to make sure that we are promoting and discussing the work in a way that is reflective of how the artist feels and how they want it to be perceived. Yeah. Is, is there some push pull sort of there, you know, is, um, I'm imagine I've read lots of artist statements and, um, not always, um, intended for a client base perhaps. Um, it's more about, I don't know. So is there some negotiation or some, some conversation that goes on about that? There's absolutely conversation that goes on about that. There's absolutely, um, 
Sometimes there's no negotiation. Sometimes it's just a gallery decision that's made that said, you know, this is great information for us to have. And we can pick and choose what we need out of this in order to talk eloquently um, and educate the clients. But sometimes the information is so personal that it's not appropriate to share. Mm. Well, I imagine that someone in your position, either as a gallery owner or a manager, you'd have to be fairly competent at writing yes, because you have to proof everything, right? Not only your marketing, but the artist statements and things like that. Yes. So, so we used to say that, you know, it's, it's all, it's all glamorous from the outside, but we wear so many hats here that, you know, we're, we're writing, or I should say in this case is I have, I have, let Isabel do all the writing. Um, but, you know, we we don't just sell the art. We really live with the art. And yeah. our job is made easier with a symbiotic relationship with the artists. And if we don't have great communication skills... Uh, great writing skills, anything that doesn't represent the artist appropriately, then you know, we're not doing our job. Yeah. yeah. It's a good lead into the, the next question. What, while galleries promote artists they represent, I assume artists should also be promoting themselves. What are some unique or effective ways you've seen artists promote themselves or their works? Well, when we deal with promotion, especially looking towards a show, because you know, we are, we're always Instagramming or promoting just generally the work that we have in the gallery, but specifically leading towards a show. It's, it's really kind of a give and take a discussion, a very collaborative process with the artists. So a lot of times they have in mind what they would like to do, but they also know that, that that is a large part of our job and that we, you know, are going to promote our work sometimes to a larger audience than they have. So um, often we will try to coordinate, say, posting the same image or, you know, if or getting in touch with them about who they want on the mailing list for the postcards or the emails or things like that. And it's it's very much if we share something, they promote that same thing and kind of back and forth that way. So, Nick, you asked about if there's anything interesting that anybody has done. Um, yeah. Most of our artists are so happy to have the gallery take care of the promotion that many do not, um, they do not individually try to promote things other than what Isabel just indicated that everything is in conjunction with what we do. So we really drive most of the promotion for our artists. Mm-hmm. And it's yeah. probably better because it's a consistent message. It's consistent. Yes. Correct. Yeah. 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 Erica, Isabel, we've reached the point of the interview where we ask all of our interviewees the same three questions. Uh, and so you can each respond to this if you like, or if you don't, if, if, if um, you know, if you don't have anything to add, that's perfectly fine as well. What advice would you give to others wanting to become an art entrepreneur? Do you want to go first? Sure. Okay. Um, I'm going to say there's there's two ways to answer, answer that question. Um, an art entrepreneur can take the form of an artist or it can take the form of 
you know, somebody facilitating the arts. And I think um, both avenues have immense value to this world. Um, I think it really depends on your personality, which, which way you go. I felt like for me, I could not work in the creative side. I'm much more in the supportive side. Um, but I think it's to find your voice and figure out where you want to take your career path. And I'm, I'm going to add onto that as well, because that was very much very close to what I was going to say. But as far as on, on my side as well, more of a, a novice to the art entrepreneurship world, I would say to take the opportunities that come to you. So I was I came to this job because I had started an internship in an interior design firm that then led me to this job, which was all I ever wanted from a job. So I, I may not have had that experience if I didn't have that stepping stone first. So even if it doesn't seem like exactly what you wanted to do, those, those stepping stones and those uh, beginning opportunities are really important. Yeah. Erica, can, I ask, do now. can I ask a quick follow-up question? Um, how did it, was there a point where you kind of figured out maybe I'm in better at the, you know, the behind the scenes stuff than, than the creative side of things or was it, was there an experience? Was there something that happened? Yes. So I went to art school for high school. I am, I am a somewhat accomplished artist myself, although that was a secret until just this moment. Um, <laughs> I don't practice my own craft because I figured out for me that a large white canvas was scarier than speaking to a room full of people. And so I just figured I could, I could talk about things and live with things much differently than if I was actually creating them. And so my path was pretty much spelled out for me after I figured that out. Yeah. yeah. And that was, that was in school when you figured that out or? Right after school. Right after school. Right after okay. school. So okay. art school for high school. Um, I intended to be a fine arts major at, yeah. for undergraduate and sure. I got to undergraduate school and they canned the fine arts program. And so that Oof. was part of it. Um, but I also, because the university still had the an art history program, um, I went the art history route. And, you know, so I still dabbled in the, in the fine arts world. In the making, yeah. But having, having the art historical background helped me kind of push forward into um, the gallery world. Definitely. Yeah. What can we do to ensure the arts are more accessible and reaching the widest possible audience? That is something that we are focusing on largely here. We, we want our gallery to be non-intimidating, a space where you feel comfortable coming in and learning if even if you're not ready to purchase yet. And so um, we try to present ourselves as as very approachable and and you know I'm I'm always in the front trying to be a, a smiling, not intimidating face to people who may be on the street. But um, Erica also really provides kind of a calm air where that makes people feel very comfortable asking questions and just getting getting feet inside the gallery. So back to one of the original things we were talking about though. So I feel like my job 
is to be out in the world. And I believe that just, how do I say this? Um, I believe that being out in the world reminds people that, you know, I am who I am. And even if I don't have a long conversation with somebody, I'm still representing not just me, but the gallery and all the artists that we represent because of that, you know, it's like, I'm, I'm a, I'm a voice for 50 people that don't get to see the public uh, or we're voices for 50 people that don't get to see their public and their, their audience. And, um, I think the other thing I'm going to add to that is also something that we talked about earlier was that with newer artists that I tend to price things on a more conservative um, level. And so I believe that you can buy an original piece of art for much less than buying a, a poster of something and you know, be just as happy, if not happier with it, because you have a one of a kind something and you've supported an artist and um, you have a story that goes with it that is 100% different than somebody else's story because you responded to it from a different place. So you are, um, you kind of create your own, your own message. Yeah. And the last question, um, What's the best artistic or entrepreneurial advice you've ever been given? The best piece of advice that I was given was just do what you love. I was going to say the exact same thing. Um, It really, it's kind of funny how for me personally, my life has has twisted and turned and ended back exactly where I wanted to be as a child. And, you know, Erica has been in this business for almost 30 years now. And that's like such a long, not to, not to age her. She's so young. She's so young. How can a 29 year old own a 30 year old? business? Exactly. Exactly. It's shocking to us, but she did it as a, as a small child. Um, But it's, it's, we say that time kind of stops in the gallery because we do what we love here and sure. And it's, and it's a joy. Well, great. Well, Erica and Isabel, thanks so much for being here. We know our listeners are going to learn a lot from uh, hearing the interview. Thank you very much for including us. We really appreciate it. Yes. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks for listening. If you like this podcast, please subscribe. Visit artsentrepreneurshippodcast.com to learn more about our guest and how you can help support artists, the arts, and this podcast. Mm-hmm.